You got some bump in music for us, Figgy? Yes, sir. Let's do Blackness. it. Okay. Okay. I Wait, I can barely hear the music. Pump it up, man. I hate when things get ruined for me and I can only think about that one thing. When I used to hear this song, I thought of House Party 2, you know, <laughs> but now ever since Chance the Rapper did that whole dance challenge, all I can think of now is Chance the Rapper dancing to this song, dog. It bothers me, man. But I love this song. <laughs> Sounds of blackness, optimistic. <laughs> it's funny. I played this song on the show today. And I felt like I won a couple brownie points because only like two people hit me up like, man, I like that you played that song. <laughs> Classic, man. Classic of the uh, the old, the old, very much missed pro-black era of the early 90s hip hop, man. You had this, you had Arrested Development with the Tennessee song. A lot of good vibes going on. It was, it was cool to be pro-black back then. It, it still is now, but it was cool to wear the Kente colors back then. It was cool to wear the Koofies. All that stuff, man. I kind of missed that era, to be honest. Yeah, it's a positive and music. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting on my old man shit now. Like, oh, it's rap these days. Nothing but drugs and violence. <laughs> yes. Good good way to kick off the podcast, man, because we have a very, very strong black cast for you today assembled with a very special guest we will introduce shortly. This is, the, of course, the Gym and Juice podcast, man. We back at it. I'm Ryan Rocket, joined, as always, by my boy, the man himself, Figgy Fig. Man, Figgy, how you doing, bro? Doing pretty good, man. This is a uh, wonderful Friday, man, kicking the podcast off right after the show. So, yep. man, it's good. feel good, man. Super hot out here, too, man. So everybody be careful outside. It's like a hundred <laughs> plus. I went outside to get some groceries, and I fucking came in sweating, dog. It's tough. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I, yes. I hate talking about the weather. I hate being that weather guy, but fuck it, it's hot, man. <laughs> and we also have a very, very special guest joining us today. Um, this man has a nationally syndicated show now um, called the JR Sport Brief on CBS Radio. He's also been grinding for a long time, uh, doing YouTube videos, creating content, uh, probably interviewed your favorite athlete at one point or another. Uh, this man down the ground for a while, man, and he's finally on a national platform. We're very happy for him. Very, very educated, very funny, very smart brother joining us today. JR himself of the JR Sport Group joins us, man. Give it up. Take applause. Take applause. Appreciate y'all. Nah, I don't I don't need the applause. Applause to y'all, man. Y'all, <laughs> y'all are putting in work, doing the damn thing, too. So I appreciate y'all for having me on. There's no doubt about it. Oh, for sure. For thank sure. You, thank we, you. We glad you made the time, man. Nah, listen, uh, time is a, is a very valuable commodity, and uh, I, I appreciate folks who are, are trying to do amazing things. I have zero problem with contributing and being here. So, like I said, I appreciate it. Glad to rock with y'all. Glad to have you here, man. I got so to whenever... ask you real quick, what kind of shirt you got on? So this is a, uh, I don't, I don't, you know what, I have to think about it, because I have so many t-shirts. This is a... Uh, what, 2016 NBA oh, yeah. Finals? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Curry, Curry and LeBron. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm a- I walk down, I walk down the streets here in Atlanta, and people will tell me, "Yo, that's a nice shirt." And I have to think about whether my shirt says "Breakup Suck" one day, or whether I have, <laughs> uh, you know, an athlete on my my, my shirt. Oh so uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I seen the 2016 NBA Finals, and I'm a Cavs fan. I'm a, I'm originally from Cleveland, so I had to uh, yeah check and see what type of shirt that was. I'm glad y'all, I'm glad y'all got one out of the deal, huh? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> because the Fourth of July is when KD pretty much announced that he's going to the Warriors. I'm like, oh, that's well, it. Yeah, that's it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we got our one. So are you a are you a Cleveland fan or LeBron fan? Oh, you're asking me. Yeah. Oh no, I'm a fan of picking up clothes that people say, oh, hey, "Okay, hey, JR, <laughs> you like some clothes?" I say, "Yeah." I feel you. I am. I am. I am appreciative of LeBron James, the basketball player. I'm appreciative of LeBron James, a human being. But when it comes to you know, am I a fan of the Cavs? Am I a fan of LeBron? It's like I, I sure as hell don't give a damn about the Cavaliers. But mm. I like watching LeBron James. I appreciate watching good basketball just like any other sport. <laughs> I, can tell, I feel you. I can tell you're a real radio guy, media guy, because we love free shirts. <laughs> That's the best part about working in media. You get free I, I shirts. Haven't, I haven't bought clothes and uh, God only knows one. <laughs> only clothes I have to buy are the fancy ones. But <laughs> give me some T-shirts, some shorts, some branded stuff. I'm, I'm with it. <laughs> Word. Yeah, if you ever want to get in good with media people, send us free stuff, man. We always accept that. Food, <laughs> shirts, any kind of paraphernalia, we down with it, man. Yeah. So uh, so we, we usually bring in every guest we have that's new and kind of get a, a welfare check on them, ask how they've been doing in this, uh, you know, this quarantine era, uh, how you've been since the lockdowns and all this stuff. So, man, how, how you been holding up personally? Since Man, this whole thing started, I'm I'm good. I'm I'm, I'm fortunate. We know this has been a, a rough time for everybody, and you know, even even doing my show at night brings me some type of levity to be able to talk to folks all over the United States and, and all over the country. But at the end of the day, you know, there are folks. There's always someone who's going through worse than what you're going through. You know, I unfortunately know people who have uh, passed away. Obviously, it's not fun when you're just stuck in a house for a, a few months. It's not fun when you you hear about more people passing away and dying. It's not fun when friends are, are, are losing work. So it's been tough. I, I don't think it's uh, I don't think anyone can say, oh, this has been the, the greatest time of my life. 2020 is going to be an unforgettable year. People are going to say 2020. 20, 40, 30, 50 years from now. And it's just going to go, oh, my God, just. Where, where, where do I start and where do I begin? But I'm fortunate enough to have the platform that I do. My show actually started uh, on March 23rd, not too long after everything got, got shut down. Um, so I'm extremely fortunate with everything going on. Um, I was doing work on NBA TV and obviously basketball stopped. So there's a lot going on, but when you really think about people losing life, people losing job, people losing income, Folks worrying about that next meal, you know, I I ain't got nothing to complain about. I'm still here. I'm I'm okay. I feel you, man. And I listen to your show. It's a very good, very solid show. Um, I got to make a joke though because they gave you the show. Well, I know that you didn't get the show right then, but the show started right after the coronavirus hit. Yeah. So it kind of feels like when Obama took office and the country was just in a terrible recession, <laughs> and it's like, oh, now we get the black president. <laughs> So it's like, oh, now the brother gets his show. But by the way, there's no sports to talk about. So good luck. 
Right, right. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it, it, that, that was part of the situation, you know. So it wasn't, I didn't crop up. I was doing local radio in uh, New York City, WFAN, uh, a few years mm -hmm. ago. And then here in Atlanta, I contribute and work on uh, V103, where I was doing a morning show. So it, it wasn't a, an ideal situation to say, oh, boom, here you are, radio, radio, radio. But you, you make the best of, of what you have. I could have I could have said, no, nah, no, thanks. I'll pass. I could have said, eh, I'll go the other way. But um, there wasn't any any certainty, as there still isn't certainty today. I mean, I talk to players every day and, you know, they don't have any more answers, any more answers than than we do. So, you know, when you have the opportunity there, I, I figured and gathered as it is now that eventually we would have sports back. Maybe we'll have sports back. We still have the transactions going on. We still had the NFL draft take place. We still have free agency. So, you know, you can't predict uh, pandemic conclusions. You can't predict, you know, social uprising. But I, if, if I'm going to be consistent or constant with myself, I, I'm going to be at the center and be able to talk about anything that comes my way. I respect that, man. And I got to talk about this, too, because I also think you're one of the few media people who have really kind of put out there the fact that we probably shouldn't be having sports right now, considering what's going on. Yeah. So do you ever feel pressured? Because I know, like, let's face it, a lot of people in media, like, we know what the deal is. We know this is not going to go according to plan. I'm not saying we're not going to have anything, but pretending like everything is going as normal and we're going to have a normal season for football, college football, all this stuff is kind of silly at this point. But do you, do you face any pressure um, now that you're on a national platform, now that you have, you know, people in high places looking at you and backing you, do you ever feel like, okay, maybe I shouldn't be as honest as I am with some of these takes or are you just like, you know, I'm going to be myself. No, not at all. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to your question. The key part of anything to me is authenticity. You know, I don't, I don't care, quote unquote, what is a person in a high place? Someone who, who tells me, yes, you can do that or, or no, you can't. I mean, hearing no, it doesn't matter what you want to do or accomplish. Hearing no is part of the job. So anybody telling me no, okay, that's, that's part of the journey. That's, that's part of the story. So I don't feel any more pressure now than I did when I worked on something on YouTube where I said I want to make sure I get a video up because there are people who are going to ask me for it if I don't you know I'm, I'm fortunate enough to to be in a good position I have uh, uh, good people who've allowed me the opportunity whether it be at Intercom Westwood and CBS Sports so I don't have no problem I show up and I, I do my job and people leave me alone and I, I go about my day you know I'm always open uh, to, uh, you know, criticism. I'm always open to hearing folks' opinions, but, you know, it's a part of life. And when you put yourself in a, in a public position, everybody's going to have an opinion. And it's a matter of having discernment of whose opinions matter, because not everybody who says something to you is deserving of a, of a response. And not everyone who has an opinion is qualified to actually have one. Or an educated one, I should say. No, very important to remember, especially on social media, when you're on Twitter interacting with these people, man. Not everybody <laughs> got to be responded to, especially when you blatantly trolling and being ignorant. So, <laughs> now you're definitely right, man. Uh, so, you mentioned YouTube. I want to get into that, too, because 
Uh, me and Figgy, of course, work in sports media, but you came through a, uh, uh, I guess, a less traditional channel, but the way that's probably going to be the way that most people get into the industry in the future, which is from YouTube, social media. Um, your YouTube channel has millions of views now. You've been doing it for, I want to say, about 10 years now, more than that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So when did you actually start that channel? And how did you get from where you were then to where you are right now? Well, I started that channel in 2009 and time flies when you're having fun, because to me, that feels like yesterday. Yeah. I think about all the experiences yeah. and places that I've been, uh, but I, I grew up in the, the kind of entertainment space. My uncle is a DJ named Fat Man Scoop. Uh, he was out of New okay. York City. So I had an opportunity every now and then to be at the radio station. Uh, when I was young and was able to, to, to work on the books, you know, I worked as his assistant and booked studio time. As I got older, I helped work with him in, in, in television and podcasting. I did some, some work on my own. I met other musicians and helped them out with social media. And we got to a point where I, I met my uncle's manager. His name is Charles Stetler. And Charlie worked in hip hop for a long time. And he became a, a big supporter of myself. And so, you know, 2009 was a real jump off point for social media, um, you know, in, in videos. We were finally moving into iTunes and podcasts and, and starting to see more digital content from video online. And so one thing that we didn't have, you think about, it's crazy to think this 11 years ago, you know, we had ESPN. You know, Bleacher Report was still being written by folks in their bedroom, SB Nation, uh, and those folks, Jim Bankoff, he was growing the company. So sports still existed in a traditional space. And we were starting to have car shows on YouTube. We were starting to have cooking shows on YouTube. But sports, because of the, the rights aspect of it, it was pretty much highlights. And it wasn't commentary like there was. So I was encouraged by a dude named Fred Seibert to start a sports blog. And he says, hey, you're producing all of this content, TV, radio, uh, podcasts for other people. He says, I am a distributor of content. He had something called Next New Networks. It's like, it's like a record label situation. He says, hey, I got an R&B singer. I got a rocker. I don't got a sports guy. I don't got a sports show. I can help supercharge what you're doing if you can attract an audience. So that's what I did. I put up a video in 2009. I was able to create traction for myself. I, I signed with Next New Networks and they were bought by Google and YouTube. So their company was used as kind of the first incubator for YouTube to create shows and build a blueprint to you know up the content value. And I was a, a part of that wave. So from there on YouTube, I did work locally in New York on SNY TV, the home of the Mets. Uh, did some work with WNBC in New York all while maintaining my YouTube. There was a point in time where I did online videos uh, for Bleach Report before they were bought by Turner. And so, you know, I've, I've rolled the wave and if there's an organization out there, uh, there's a chance that I work with them. In the past several years, I've been able to still work in uh, digital media online, still do TV and then move more consistently into radio. Okay, um, so do you think because you mentioned 2009, I kind of viewed 2009 as the golden era in terms of like YouTube and the internet was very, I'm not gonna say the internet was new, but it felt very raw, mm. you know, in terms of the content, the people that were making it big were very talented and 
the, the corporate sponsorship hadn't completely overtaken it. You know, you mentioned Bleacher Report getting bought out. All these things happened. So uh, I would like to think that your your way is still viable. But do you think that because, you know, it's hard to monetize uh, videos on YouTube mm-hmm. now. They made it damn near impossible to really get any money. Um, so do you think your your path, the way that you got here is still viable? Let's say you're talking to a young kid trying to break in. Would you tell him to do what you did or would you kind of remix it to better fit this environment? No, that's perfect. You 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 got to remix everything. You got to look at the current climate and, and roll with it. If I was starting out the same way in YouTube, there was no Instagram video. Yeah, you know that's that's flat. I, to be honest with you, I don't I don't remember having an Instagram account when I got started on YouTube. I had to go and say when I started on YouTube. I remember I did a poll on YouTube in one of my videos, and I even said, "Should I create a Twitter account?" So that shows you where things were in 2009. And so if, if I want to utilize social media today to be a sports broadcaster, whether it be on TV or radio or an interview or whatever the case may be, people have other mediums. There's YouTube, there's Facebook, there is Instagram. You know, I would be a, a, abusing the hell out of all of these free tools just to go ahead and, and get content out there. YouTube wasn't what it is. There was no YouTube TV when I got started, there was no subscription service to YouTube. It was you're on YouTube and this is the algorithm. And there was also a community of, of workers at YouTube who scoured and looked for content to highlight. There was an editorial team. You know, now things are so big, it's it skews more towards an algorithm. I feel you, I feel you. Uh, yeah, I just think about the people who made it around that era and it's just, I kind of miss it, man, even though it's more raw and real. I think it's a lot more corporate now, which is, it happens to everything. It happened to hip hop, too. But, you know, I miss the blog era a little bit, man. It's very nostalgic for it. Well, it's still it's still out there. I just hope you're not watching it because there's enough people talking about nonsense in, uh, <laughs> in earlier years, blogging about everything possible. Man, I, I want to say too many people have a podcast, but some people might say that about our podcast. So I don't want to put that out there, but it, not everybody needs to have an opinion. I feel sometimes, man, but not everybody's great at this, but I don't want to put ourselves out there. Either, so uh, since, since this is more of a uh, hip hop and culture podcast, man, I did want to get your top five, bro. Uh, I know you're from the Bronx. You hail from the Bronx. So I kind of have a rough idea who might be included. <laughs> but I want to know yourself, like, who, who is in your top five best rappers of all time? Well, you know what? That, that's a matter of personal opinion. Like, there's, it's impossible. You can't have five. Like, hip-hop has been around long enough that it's impossible. There's no such thing as a top five. It depends on who you want to rock with and who you like. I mean, so obviously, folks that I really appreciate and can listen to at any point in time, uh, Big L. Okay. Big L, Jay-Z, Nas, Tupac, Biggie. And that excludes people that I appreciate. Every single night when my show comes on, whether people realize it or not, I have Scarface opening up my show every okay. single night. You know, there's, there's, there's folks, there's, there's just too many rappers. I mean, I love Q. I can go, I can go on and on and on and on and on. But those are those are the five I rock with. There's there's certain elements of like I like Big Pun. I'm not a fan of, of Big Pun's long work, but some of Big Pun's singles are great. You know, Fat Joe has been around so long. 
I think Fat Joe is unappreciated for some of his his earlier work with Flo Joe. You know, there's Buster Rhymes. He doesn't put out music like he used to. I mean, there's there's a lot of folks. Hip hop is not hip hop has matured, and it's hard to say. Boom, these are these are your five. I get I get where you're coming from. I do think it's I think it's overrated to have a a top five best list because what do you consider best? You know, that's where all the the the, the endless best. arguing comes from. How do you consider what is it sales? What is it lyricism? How do you rate lyricism? So I agree with that, but I do I, I do think it's possible to have a top five your favorite rappers. Sure. Rather than just people you think that's the best based off of some arbitrary ranking that you made right. up yourself. Cool, you know. I mean, cool, cool G rap, rock him. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's, there's, there's so many folks. It's, uh, it's KRS one. And this is obviously me coming from, from New York. And yeah. I, I fortunately, I've, I've met a lot of these dudes. One of my favorite songs of all time is The Message. You know, I know Melly Mel personally. And like, I could play The Message all day long, every day. And, um, you know, he has his own opinions and that would go on for a, a, a long time, <laughs> but it's hard. There's so many great musicians, you know, hip hop comes from the dirt. It comes from the community. Like how many, how many people do we know from every hood in the United States of America that has skills good enough to be in an NBA, but you only get a few spots. Like I could pick up some dudes out of Harlem right now. I can go to DC. I, I, I could stick here in Atlanta and I can find some cats that's ready to ball and to light your favorite NBA player up. They just ain't in the league. No, I feel you, man. I feel you. Um, yeah, and I definitely agree with Jay-Z in that top five. I will say that much. <laughs> I think he's number one personally, but okay. that's just me. Uh, so I also kind of want to get the, your opinion on this too. What do you think about T.I. made a video about 50 Cent and he said that the South has been disrespected by Northerners, by New York rappers who want to come down to the clubs, but they don't respect their rapper lyricism. And this debate has kind of been brought up again. So what what's the energy like over there? Because I feel like, I will say as a person born and raised in Houston, I always kind of felt like there was a time in which New York kind of reluctantly bumped our music, but thought of our, like the, the, the bigger, more vocal people like the Funk Master Flexes in them, they didn't really respect Southern rappers like I feel they should. And a lot of people felt. So what's your take on the regional differences, man? Is it all just the same thing to you or? No, it's, it's, it's moving in that way. And a lot of it goes for what we were talking about. It's, it's social media. You know, this, you don't necessarily have, you still will have distinct sounds. The cultures are different in, in between big cities. You know, Miami is not New York. New York's not Houston. Houston's not LA, you know, so there are differences in small in, in, in sound, you know, right now in, in New York, you got you got drill music and you got folks coming out with pop smoke in DC, you know, go-go has always been a scene and that's an influence uh, down in the, in, the, in, in the music. You got Luke in, in Miami where you wanna, you wanna bump okay. some bass, you know, somebody like, like, like Rick Ross, I know out of Texas, but then also still out of Florida, you know, a lot of his music has more of a, of a soulful sound. So you're going to get those distinct differences. But a lot of the folks I just named, those are older rappers. Those are older musicians. 
You know, you listen to, to, to some of the folks coming out of New York right now, you would think they're out of Atlanta. You would think yep. that they're, they're out of Georgia. The sounds are so similar. It's not the same. The world is in smaller, just like everything else, even in hip hop. I feel you, man. Uh, it is definitely getting a little more, even rappers in Houston now, uh, the Atlanta influence is very, very prominent here as well. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I agree. Atlanta, Atlanta has moved into the spot, and it's not just because of, of music. It's it's because of the, the culture dating back to, to civil rights and, and even with the, the Confederacy formerly strong here, uh, you know, the emblem is a phoenix. It's about a, a, a rebirth, and a lot of folks come here. A lot of folks, the city is, is growing, the city is booming. Uh, the Olympics had a lot to do with that. Atlanta is new. It's growing. I mean, even in the sports teams here, sports teams here have been rocking since the 60s. That ain't that long ago, you know? So there's a, there's a big opportunity for people uh, to come to Atlanta and experience it. And the city is, is growing extremely fast. No, you definitely can see that, man. I talk to young people a lot of time, people who are trying to be rappers or break into the game like that. And they always feel like they need to move to, to Atlanta to really have a chance to make it because they kind of feel like the energy here isn't the same as it is over there, so. It's, it's true, but you, you can still get to a point of uh, oversaturation. Yes. Like I, I will tell you a lot of times that the cream rises to the top. And, you know, if you sound like somebody else, if you remind me of somebody else, there's a lot of folks who sound exactly the same. It's like, what is going to make you stand out? It don't matter if you're trying to rap. It doesn't matter if you're trying to play ball. Like, what can I look at you and identify that's different? What am I going to appreciate about you that's going to make you stand out? So I venture to say people can come to Atlanta. People can move to wherever they want. You know, there's a, unfortunately, there's a reason why we got such a big homeless problem in, in a place like Los Angeles, you, especially young people. You know, folks think that they're going to go and chase the dream and they end up in awful situations living out on the street. And um, you can always go to anywhere, but I hope you got the talent, the resources, and the plans to back it up. 100% agree, man. All y'all uh, Migos and Young Thug clones need to mix <laughs> it up a little bit, man. We already got those. Do something new. Yeah. <laughs> you want to ask something, Figgy? Oh, yeah, yeah. I was going to ask. Uh, I noticed you do, a, uh, you do some work with Bit Tigger. And um, yeah. recently, man, I, I had to go to YouTube and watch um, Big, uh, Rap City in the Basement. And I didn't realize how much I missed that show, man. Just the whole vibe of going in the basement and the DJ there and all that stuff. Uh, I just want to know, how how is it working with Bit Tigger? Because it's, it oh. seemed like he kind of been out the spotlight a little bit. He kind of just been doing the radio thing. So, like, how you doing? How is, how is it working with him? Tigger is amazing. I mean, he's a, he's extremely talented. Uh, there's a reason that he's had longevity is because he's a great human being first. Uh, and he's also damn good at his job. And he's a, he's a people person. And you see that whether or not you're on a red carpet, whether you on a stage, whether you went in a basement, whether you're in a club, you know, he's a, he's a human being. And I always find folks who happen to be human, good human beings first, you know, you tend to have longevity because you, you, you're being real with, with who you are. So Tigger's awesome, you know, He'll still be on BET hosting, getting that call. He'll still be out here in Atlanta getting the call. 
He still works with Fortune 500 companies, getting a call, still holding it down on V103 on the radio, getting a call. He's, he, he's out and about. You know, I, I tell you, it's, it's great to, to learn and be around Tigger. And you just see the respect that he gets. It doesn't matter if it's a, if it's a celebrity. It doesn't matter if it's someone out in the street. You know, he, he has folks respect for a good reason. He's great at what he does, and he's a great human being. He always seemed like that, man. He always seemed like that. That was a one show I feel like an artist could probably go on and feel comfortable. Whereas, you know, if you go on Funk Master Flex, you're going to feel like he's super aggressive sometimes, you know, and, and some other people. But, yeah, Big Tigger always seemed like he was having a good time on that show, man. I do miss Rap City, too. That's a show that probably should come back to try to make a reboot with him. I will be yeah, up do for it, that. Do it, the, do it the right way, though. That's all, mm, I, that's all I'll say yeah. there. Do it, do it the right way. But I'm going to show for my, my guy, Tigger. Make sure you go to Tigger's website and you can go ahead and get a, a Rap City Raise Me T-shirt, oh, t-shirts and hoodies are right there. Might have to do yes, that. Yes, everybody. I'm gonna get. I'm actually checking that after we're done, man. That's dope. Check out that man's website. Uh, so we do break down some new releases here. Uh, I will admit there's only one I listen to. Uh, it is Friday. It's a new release Friday, but you know it's early in the day, man. I ain't heard the Juice World album. I did think it was kind of crazy that him and Pop Smoke dropped consecutive weeks. But, you know, I guess that was just how the rollout was planned. But there was a song I took interest in that was uh, promoted a few days before uh, Kid Cudi made a surprise announcement that he was making a song with Eminem, which I thought was, you know, very out of left field. They're very different artists. Eminem's more of a rapidy rapper and Kid Cudi's more like a vibe type artist, mm -hmm. you know. So I thought it was very weird. The, the pairing seemed strange to me. And I haven't been a fan of Eminem's most recent work. So my initial gut reaction was like, uh-oh, it's going to be something really corny. But the song dropped, man. I listened to it about three times already, <laughs> just back to back to back. I got to say, I enjoyed it. I was surprised. But uh, let me get your take first, Figgy. How do you feel about that song, man? Uh, I really enjoyed that song, too, man. I listened to it about three or four times. And um, I was really surprised at the way Eminem was rapping. He was kind of rapping a little slower where I could actually understand what he's saying yes. instead of trying to rap a, a, a million miles per hour. But um, I thought the content and what he was saying was really good. And he actually had a message in this, in this verse. So I, I think that was a pretty good pairing, man. It, it might sound awkward just by name, but... I thought it was a really good feature for Kid Cudi. I agree, man. And honestly, like after hearing the song, the pairing made more sense because I know Kid Cudi and Eminem are both like recovering addicts. You know, they they very publicized, very highly publicized drug problems in the past. Um, I, I think Kid Cudi might still smoke, but I know Eminem's like completely clean now. He doesn't do anything. He mentioned that in the song too. So on that end, I understood it. I do like when Kid Cudi raps more. This sounded more like the Man on the Moon era Kid Cudi, you know, actually rapping on a track and not just humming and singing. So <laughs> I did enjoy that. Uh, I thought Eminem, the, I'm, I'm glad he's done screaming. That's my main thing. I'm, I'm glad Eminem. No more kamikaze Eminem. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I'm sick of the... Uh, 
uh, that what that comedian, you know, whatever he was saying to to make fun of him, that, that the way he was rapping, the the screaming and forcing the rhymes. I'm glad that's over, man. I'm glad he's back to a more toned down delivery. Uh, it was a lot less corny than I anticipated. His verse it was very t- like Eminem is a genius, word lyrically, wordplay wise, you know, but just the way it comes off and the things he talks about kind of dragged down his his lyricism a little bit but this one it was strong man the beat was cold everything was good man i'm looking forward to the new kid cuddy album uh jr how do you feel about the feel about these two artists are you a big eminem or kid cuddy fan or yeah i mean well kid cuddy i feel like the majority of his music you know he's he's had to go away and deal with whatever problems that he's had so i mean talk about kid cuddy this is 10 years ago, plus maybe day and night. I mean, that's, 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 that's really the peak. Um, and Eminem, I feel like a lot of what Eminem, his peak was, was 20 years ago. And it's crazy to say that, that he's been out. I mean, eight mile was at the height and he had to go ahead and, and deal with his own drug problems and issues. I think the, the thing is because hip hop is so mature now and folks have a catalog and rappers are living in it, not necessarily getting shot and killed right out the gate uh you know eminem's been around for a long time are we going to still want to hear eminem rap when he is 60 years old are are people still going to have interest in in a jay-z rapping when he's 60 i mean these are things that are are reality but as the the genre continues to mature i mean you know this ain't hip-hop may have peaked past rock and roll but hip hop is now moving into a space where you got artists who are going to stay relevant, relevant and continue to age into their 60s and 70s and not just be executives. But you think about what Kiss does or Rolling Stone. So, you know, who knows what's in store for Eminem? I still listen to his music, but a lot of times it doesn't necessarily have the same replay value after you listen to it the first time. You know, I could still pop in the Slim Shady LP and go, oh, my God, this dude really said that. And it's some of it's jokes, some of it's violence, but you can still listen to it and go over it over again. You know, some of the new music, I think, is really just to keep the artistry busy or keep the artist busy. I agree, man. It is interesting to see how these artists will age um, because hip hop has always been seen as a young man sport, you know. And it is interesting seeing, you know, somebody like, even though, like I said, I'm critical of Eminem lately, but I am glad he's still at least attempting to, to stay on it and, and put out new content. Um, same thing with Jay-Z, man. Of course, I, in my opinion, he can, ne- he can never really top reasonable doubt to me, mm-hmm. but I'm glad he's at least still proving that at 50 plus, you can still hang with the best of them. You can still like there's space, like, how there's space for an old rock and roll artist and an old everything else artist, old country artists, some of the biggest ones out there, that should exist for hip hop too. You know, if you want to create generational wealth, you got to have generational talent, people who stay more than five years in the game and then just they get people think they're corny, so they get out. And I think it's great that it's moving into that space because at the same point in time, it's like, what does a rapper do after his? first album the first album is the struggle and i'm here and i've arrived <laughs> and the, the second album is oh my god guess what this is how y'all treated me after the first album and i'm still here but now i got money and the 
the third album is a, is a reckoning. It may be pretty much the end and the conclusion. But when you have folks like Jay-Z, you can pretty much see the span of his life and, and just the, the honesty and maturity and the, the growth as a, as a person, as a businessman, as an entrepreneur, as a musician and entertainer. You see it over the course of, at this point, 24 years. And I think it's pretty dope. I think it is too, man. That's why I think he's a goat, man. Who who else could cheat on Beyonce and, and still make it work? Who who else but the God MC could do that, man? Come on now. I'm a, I'm gonna leave you. I'm gonna leave you alone on that. I feel you, man. Uh, so we gotta talk about some rap beef too, man. Uh, we gotta return to the pig pen because uh, the, Jay, hogs, the push the pigs. Tea, <laughs> we back in the pig pen with uh drake and Pusha t the beef that just will not die at this point um they keep going back and forth um every time we think it's over and they both moved on one of them says something and it comes it comes right back again and of course in this form it happened in a uh pop smoke verse that Pusha t was on along with young thug and gunna i believe this track was supposed to be on the deluxe edition of the Pop Smoke album, but uh, I think they, they claimed some kind of glitch had it left off or something. But the song did come out, and of course the lyrics were very, very uh, anti-Drake, making fun of the Patois accent, um, talking about his empty threats, talking about how he had a guy try to run on stage and try to attack Pusha T, all this stuff. And uh, Young Thug was very upset. I guess he hadn't heard this verse, but he made a post on Instagram basically saying that it, it was messed up for him to do that and for it to be on Pop Smoke's album after he died. Also, if Young Thug knew that verse was on it, he might've done something different, which implies he wouldn't even be on a track. So they went back and forth, man. Uh, Pusha T made a, a, a post saying that the only reason Young Thug was on there was because he, uh, Pusha T, asked him to be on it. And it kind of went back and forth. Young Thug called the verse weak and blah, blah, blah. You're only famous because you're dissing Drake and blah, blah. So uh, all that to say that this beef just will never end. But I, I do need to know, because we've talked about this ad nauseum, but JR, I got to know where you stand, man. You got to pick a side. I don't got to <laughs> pick You got to pick I one. Hope, I just hope nobody dies. I mean, that's the side. I enjoy both artists. I mean, shoot, I remember when when Drake came out. I mean, I, I never watched the TV show that he was on in the wheelchair. <laughs> I remember either. when Drake came out and he was on the mixtapes, and I remember when the when Pusha T came on the scene with the clips. So I appreciate both artists. You know, I, I get it. I'm not a fan of all of Drake's music, um, but I think that's part of what makes him a great entertainer is that he has. He has range. He's wealthy for a reason. He got a little bit of something for everybody, regardless of whether he wrote it, regardless of whether you believe it. He's had he's had success with the music he puts out. Ain't no doubt about that. So, you know, at this point in time, like, I don't give a damn about their beef. Uh, just nobody died. That's really uh, the, the simple fact of it. And when people are, are in their own spaces, that means there's less odds for them to get their ass whooped. So I encourage everybody just to stay in their own space. Who you think won this beef <laughs> from the beginning? Oh, man. Well, you know, Drake came with back to back and then charged up. 
no, that no, was that, Meek. That's the Meek. Yeah, that's the Meek Mill. Oh, see, I'm over. See, I'm 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 mixing them up. <laughs> see, I, I'm already I'm already backwards. The mm-hmm. most I can tell you is that I know Pusha T got personal. That yeah. much, what was the Pusha T album that he he, he came out with? It was like the artwork. Day, Daytona. Wait, Whitney Houston's bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Dirt, yeah. Just just all messed up, and then he's out in the guy for having a a, 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 a illegitimate child with a a porn star or whatever the heck she was, and you know that's 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 dirty. That ain't fighting fair. But that shows you how much I give a damn about these guys and their beef when I'm over here thinking about Meek and, and Drake at the same time. <laughs> now I think Drake won that one. <laughs> that, it is funny that because every New York dude I, I, I talk to or have heard from is on Pusha T's side. Hmm. They feel like, and of course, battle rapping is really most famous in New York. That's really probably started in terms of, you know, it being a real competition. And I feel like in a lot of those freestyle battles, man, I feel like it's anything goes, you know, anything they dig up about you, they could talk about your dead mom and they could talk about your girl. Like it's really anything goes in those gritty New York freestyle battles. So in that respect, do you still think he went too far or was it just the spirit of the battle and Drake stepped in the arena? So everything is fair game. Nah, listen, when you are a public figure, everything is fair game. Like, you you putting yourself out there. You got to be prepared for what anybody says about you. You know, I don't know what their relationship was or was not uh, prior to the, the, the records and the albums. That's for them to know. I don't know their personal relationship. It's no different. If I have a relationship with you, you know, we can be professional about what we're doing. We can know that there's, we can be competitive. There's a space for everybody, but... You know, do you expect your best friend to come out and say something about your mama, even though you may not talk for five years? You know, you may look and go, yo, why are you you doing that? But if this is just a guy walking down the street and wants to be throwing insults at you and your wife and your kids, then you ain't going to be surprised. So it depends on the relationship. But, you know, when you're a public figure, everything is up for grabs. That's just the reality. You know, look at something like TMZ. They... What are they holding back on? And why Why do you expect it to be any different when people are thinking, hey, my pride is on the line, my reputation is on the line, and people get desperate. Talking to you, man, I, I really understand now like how, you guys, how you're so successful and why you connect with so many people. Because everything you say, like I can't help but agree with it. But me personally, like I have to have a hot take, man. I can't, I can't help myself from siding and saying, hey, Drake, nah, nah, Drake was wrong. But I get like everything you say makes sense, man. I get how how you can see it from that perspective. I just, but I just try to always be realistic about it. You know, am, am I gonna like me personally? I ain't no rapper, but I don't give a damn about anybody's mama enough to even go and insult them. You know, I care about my mama. I hope you and your mama is good, but I'm not gonna come out my mouth and say something about somebody else's mom. So I guess I could I could never be a rapper. But what's for one person ain't for the next. I mean, it was a point in time where where Jay Z and Nas were going back and forth with each other, and people wearing tutus and hanging out with people's wives and girlfriends, and you know, all's fair in love and war. And then when you get into something, you better know what you get into. I mean, we got a young guy now in Takashi 6'9", who put himself in a space and a position 
And, you know, time is going to tell, you know, whether or not he was prepared for, for, for what he got into or what he believed or what he wanted a career to be. You know, you can have all the numbers in the world and all the accolades in the world. It doesn't matter if you're not alive to enjoy it. I, I agree, man. I think we all we all want this to be a bloodless battle. But, well, Thicky, let me get your thoughts on this, man. Because what do you think about this newest turn of events in the uh, Drake and Pusha T battle? Um, with this, When this verse came out, I wasn't surprised because I feel like every time Pusha put out a verse, it's always about Drake and vice versa. But um, I was a little shocked. And I, was, I don't want to say I was disgusted, but I thought it was a little tacky putting that on a Pop Smoke record. I feel like that's, you know, that album should be, you know, all about Pop Smoke and celebrating the life of Pop Smoke. I, I thought it was a little bit tacky putting it on one of his songs, but um, I, I wasn't surprised he did that. But, uh, I, however, um, a couple things, um, when Pusha T addressed, I guess, Young Thug, the, the one thing that kind of stuck out to me was he mentioned how, I guess, Drake, has been stopping a lot of his records and verses for coming out. And I kind of want to get y'all opinion on that, man. I to me, it's to me, it's kind of, I don't want to say it's fair game, but I feel like Drake is in that position where he can do stuff like that and it's nothing you can really do about that. I feel like he kind of taking that, uh, I don't want to say it's the high route, but I feel like he using his, you know, boss status to, you know, Say hey, he he want to keep doing this. I'm gonna stop it for coming out. So I I kind of want to get y'all take on it. I think it's kind of fair game. I feel like he he's able to do that. I feel like Jay Z did that a couple times before. So I I just kind of want to get y'all thoughts on that. You you gotta you gotta know who you going at. It's really it's really that simple. If if I if I remember correctly, wasn't there a point in time where Drake? Somebody said something to him and it was just like, you know what, I believe it was Pusha T. Like, why are you now gonna respond? Like, this is where you are at. And I believe it was Jay Prince who told him, yo, this is where you are at. You're gonna go back and forth with him. How long are you gonna do that? You're gonna lower yourself to where he's at? Not in regards to lyricism, but his career. Look, Drake is in a space and a place where if you wanna book Drake, if you wanna make money, if you wanna sell out the arena, the reality is you do that with Drake. And if Drake says, hey, I'm not going to show up to XYZ because this rapper is there, whether you booked him yesterday, six months, or this year, then I'm not showing. He has that. And, I, you know, at reality, I don't think Pusha T cares. You know, I think he has what he's done, and he's just going at it for, from a, 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 a lyrical standpoint. But he knows where he's at. He's not a stupid guy. You Sometimes... You pay the price, you got to deal with the consequences that, that come with it. Not everybody is, though. Some people are too dumb to realize what they put out can come, sometimes bite them in the ass. Yeah. No, you're right, man. I, I have a few thoughts on that. Uh, number one, I do agree that putting that verse on Pop Smoke's album is a little bit tacky. I mean, I get that y'all in the beef, and Drake keeps bringing it up, too, so I'm not going to say it's just Pusha T. But I feel like if that verse came out and Pop Smoke didn't sign off on it when he was alive, you shouldn't put it on after the fact. Uh, that being said, I also, on Drake's end, I understand it, it would depend on how this happens, how he's blocking these verses. You know, 
if somebody told him and he made a call to somebody, that's one thing. If he actually is listening and being super nosy whenever he hears a pop, <laughs> uh, push a T verse and then call somebody, that's kind of weird, you know, and super snitchy. But if it's just, you know, somebody lets him know, hey, uh, Rick Ross got a song with Pusha T and Pusha T is dissing you. Um, and Drake just tells somebody else, like, nah, kill that. I don't think that's a big deal either. I mean, if Drake can do it, then why not? You know, if I can block somebody from calling me an asshole on Twitter, I would. You know, if, <laughs> if I, I can stop people from dissing me publicly, I would definitely do that. You know, who wants to be dissed like that? So I, I'm not, it depends on how Drake is doing it, you know. If he's being super nosy and looking out for any push of T verse, that's one thing. But if his man just gave him a heads up and said, hey, this is going down and Drake said to kill it. So it got killed. That's a whole nother thing, man. I can't knock that. Yeah. But I also think Pusha T is a smart guy, man. I low key feel like he did this intentionally because he knew Drake would block it. So this gives him another weapon to use against Drake. Now Drake is the police. Now he's a snitch because he's get he's telling on me for dissing him and getting my stuff blocked. So I low key kind of feel like he anticipated this. And this that's why he did it in the first place, just to see if Drake would actually block it. And since he did, now he has another thing to diss him with, you know, calling him a snitch and whatever. So I think this might have been choreographed a little bit on, on Pusha T's end, man. But I don't know. Maybe it's giving him too much credit. But that's just how I feel about it. Nah, he is. He is smart. Like I said, I enjoy music for both of them. Keep it on wax. I don't care. Go ahead. Diss each other. Give me something to listen to. Give me <laughs> something to talk about. Just keep it on on, on wax. I feel you, man. The only, thing I'm, the only thing I'm worried about is um, I feel like Pusha is going against a machine and Drake. Because don't nobody want to burn bridges with Drake. That's why Young Thug jumped out there and said, hey, like, nah, because he got a relationship with Drake. And um, the only thing I'm worried about, I feel like I feel like Pusha T is really smart. I just don't want him to get blackballed somehow where, um, you know, Drake starts stopping albums for coming out or start doing little stuff where he can't get shows and all that. I know Pusha T kind of, you know, put himself in that position, and I don't think he care. But I think I'll get a little upset once he, you know, start blocking albums and stuff like that. It's unfortunate, man, but I feel like this is kind of a, a Cardi B and Nicki Minaj situation, you know, where you got to pick one and choose. You don't see people collaborating with both of them. You know, it's either one person or the Takashi ain't never going to be on a, a Cardi B album. And Cardi <laughs> B's people are never going to be on a Nicki Minaj album, man. That's just how it is. So... It might be something like that, but I don't know, man. Uh, like JR said, though, hopefully it all stays on wax. You know, I feel like Drake gets caught up in this mob boss persona sometimes. <laughs> so I just hope nothing bad happens, man. I hope mob ties don't get involved. And pig pen mentality. <laughs> <laughs> the pig pen mentality. Uh, so what we, okay. We got to get a little spicy here, man, because something did just drop today, and we talked about it before. Uh, <laughs> the Jada Pinkett and Will Smith Red Table Talk, man. We got a clip prepared. Uh, Jada Pinkett, of course, made a whole um, – uh, well, August Alcina had an album drop a few weeks back. He did a show with Angela Yee, and he discussed 
a, I don't know what you call it. He didn't put a label on it, but a relationship with Jada Pinkett. Of course, while Jada was still married to Will, um, he said that they were very close and things, you, you know, you, everybody heard his comments and every, the whole thing, black Twitter went off con, you know, there are, you, you've seen the memes, everybody's seen the memes now. <laughs> and Jada Pinkett announced that she would put herself on the red table where she's put many uh, accused people on to explain themselves. And she put herself on the red table talk uh, with Will Smith being the host. <laughs> and it sounded a little, if you haven't heard it yet, it just dropped uh, on Friday, but this is a little bit of what it sounded like. I guess about four and a half years ago. Yeah, started a, I think it was about four and a half, four years ago. Mm -hmm. um, started a friendship with August. Mm -hmm. And we actually became really, really good friends. Mm -hmm. And it all started with him just needing some help. Mm -hmm. You know, me wanting to help his health, his mental state. Because for me, that was the thing when I, when um, when Og first came around, he was he was really, really sick. sick. He was really, you know? really sick, yeah. And the outpouring for him from our family was uh, initially about his health. Yeah. And I mean, we found all those different resources, mm -hmm. you know, to help pull him through. Mm -hmm. And from there, you know, you and I were going through a very difficult time. Yeah. And we decided. I was done with your you, ass. Yeah, you kicked me to I the curb. I was done with you. Yeah. <laughs> we Marriages have that, though. Yeah, Marriages have that. Yeah, we basically, mm -hmm. we broke up. We decided that we were going to separate for a period of time, and you go figure out how to make yourself happy, and I'll figure out how to make myself happy. Well, at that particular point in time, it was indefinite. Yeah, I really felt like we could be over. From there... You know, as time went on, I got into a different kind of entanglement mm -hmm. with August. And one thing I want to get clear about and clean up, one of the things that was kind of swirling in the press about you giving permission, mm -hmm. which is, uh, you know, the only person that could give permission in, in, in that particular uh, uh, yes. circumstance is myself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. But what... August was probably trying to communicate mm -hmm. because I could actually see how he would perceive it as permission because we were separated mm -hmm. amicably. Yeah. <laughs> and I think he also wanted to make it clear that he's not a homewrecker, mm -hmm. which he's not. I think um, you need to say clearly what happened. As far as what? You and I decided we were going to take our space and what happened. Yeah, and then I got into an entanglement with <laughs> August. That's what I said. An entanglement? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes. A relationship. Yes, it was a relationship. I'm sorry, Absolutely. Using that word. One of the things that I'm deeply grateful in this whole process between you and I is that we have really gotten to that new place yes. of unconditional love. Because I wasn't sure I was ever going to speak to you again. I know, I know. Yeah, like, the fact that I'm speaking to you again is a, <laughs> is a miracle. Um, <laughs> I would agree. I would agree. No, but it ain't for the weak at heart. There's just certain things that you have to go through, and it's like... And I wish, you know, 
I wish that wasn't the case. <laughs> I'm just happy, because I definitely believe that you and I, we never, ever, ever thought that we would make yeah, it back. Yeah, yeah, there's a real power in the just knowing somebody's riding with you no matter what. Yeah. And you really can't know that. Until you go until through, some through some stuff, you know? I don't want to go through this no more. Yeah, no, I yeah. don't either. Yeah, I'm gonna get you back first. And then you gonna get me back. I think you got me back. <laughs> I think you. <laughs> I think we're good on that. Okay. <laughs> okay, that might. That's probably true. Okay. <laughs> a lot. A lot. A lot to really analyze there, man. Uh, but figure. I, I want to know what you think first. Uh, like we, we all thought this was gonna be kind of corny. We <laughs> all thought that you know she was gonna be like. Yeah, I'm glad Willow wasn't there. I would say that much. And her mother wasn't there. It was probably, if you couldn't get August, it was probably a good idea to have Will do it because he was involved too. Um, but what did you think about this? So it's only 12 minutes long. So if you got a couple minutes, you could check it out. But uh, Figgy, what do you think about this whole thing, man? And what, what did you learn from this red table talk? I can't lie, man. I, I felt like it was a little awkward. A little... <laughs> Just the way they was talking, it was kind of like, uh, it sounded like they wanted to say more, but the other person didn't know if they was going to say more. So they was kind of like going back and forth like that. But uh, a couple things um, I took away from this is um, I didn't really like how they painted August Alcina. They kind of painted him as like this crazy guy that really needed help and um, pretty much Bronco Man. They mentioned it a, a few times. And um, the other thing is, it seemed, I don't want to call Jada toxic, but she seemed kind of toxic. It seemed like she brung a dude that, that needed help in, ended up in a relationship with him. And I don't know, it seemed like it seemed like she was kind of preying on somebody a little bit. I, I, I don't think she's like that. I don't know her personally, but it seemed like she was kind of preying on somebody who really needed help and ended up in a relationship with him. Um, what else I took away from this? Um... Oh, it, I thought it was kind of weird that they even brung him in for for help in the first place, especially with them going through whatever they was going through. Because, you know, I'm a married man, and the last thing I need to do is bring in somebody else uh, and try to help them when, you know, I probably need help myself. So I was kind of wondering if they really was broken up during that time or are they just using this right now as a excuse to you know, make it seem legit instead of bringing somebody in a, a, a marriage. And um, the other part is, I think that that last part with them joking around a little bit, saying, I'm going to get you back, mm -hmm. <laughs> that seemed real awkward to me. So I, I'm wondering, and, and Jada mentioned how, nah, you already got me back. You, you know, I think we good on that. So I wonder what did Will do to the point where she like, nah, I think you good. <laughs> I think you got me back already. I think we straight on that. That's that's a couple of things I took away from it. Man, I, I watched it right before the podcast, and I basically agree with mo most of what you said, man. Uh, I, I I don't have a problem with Will being there because Will's like a naturally funny guy, so yeah. he can make an awkward situation a little bit less awkward just off of his charisma, plus the fact that he was involved, and I like the fact that he kind of pressed Jada to be honest 
you know, because she kept using this Tangle. floaty language to like an entanglement. I got into <laughs> an entanglement with August. And it's like, just, just say y'all were in a relationship. That's all you got. Like the, August did the same thing too, honestly. He was walking around the issue and not being forthcoming about, you know, you're going to say all this stuff on a podcast and not say the whole truth. It sounds kind of weird. But I agree with you, man. It, I'm not going to say Jada is toxic, but I do feel like she comes off as a bad guy here a little bit just because she's 20 years older than him. You take in a kid who you admit was sick and get into an entanglement with him <laughs> and then go back to your husband and kind of leave him out in the cold. You know, so for this to be taken seriously, they should have had August there if it was really about healing because Jada tried to kind of frame it like she was the victim here. And I feel like you're happy now. So you already did your healing. You admitted <laughs> this with with Will. Y'all healed. August is the one hurt. You saw him on the podcast. He got rainbow hair now. He go. I don't know what he going through, but it seemed like he was the hurt one. I think that they should have had him on if they want to have this be taken seriously and actually move on from it. But it is what it is. Uh, this was kind of dumb for the clicks, I feel, because nothing really... It was weird that she her people denied this, too, at the in the beginning. That was kind of weird. She put out that PR statement, and they denied everything. And then you came out with this and said it was all true. So I was like, okay... But it was done for the clicks and whatever. If it makes them feel better, it's fine. JR, I know you think this is all silly, man, but <laughs> do, you, do you have any thoughts on this whole debacle? And do you even, are you surprised it even became a big thing on social media? No, well, not surprised it became a big thing on social media. I'm going to say this as I got a role in a minute, but how many people you know, how many situations do we know where folks are in situation ships? where people go on little breaks and end up with a baby or a different relationship or talking to someone they ain't got no business. It's the same old thing. Like, this sounds like something normal to me. I, could, I feel like I could plug in about three or four different folks that I know <laughs> and say, oh, yeah, that sounds that sounds about right. I remember five years ago when so-and-so did so-and-so ended up with this. So entanglements, situationships, like, this has been the M.O., and, and what's been out there for the Smith relationship for years now, regardless of whether you want to call it open or swingers or they have <laughs> issues. August Alcina, he didn't say anything that, that that sounded out of out of place when he said it. And then, I mean, even their responses, you said the denial and then the message today about entanglement. It all sounds normal to me. Listen. They saw him, and I, I forgot, I think it's an autoimmune issue that he might have. I think that was initially what the problem was. And, and who knows what other mental aspects that come with. They tried to help him. He had, uh, they had their own marital issues. She was around him. She was with him. Re that relationship changed and evolved. Like a lot of relationships changed and evolved. And then there came a point in time where it's just like, okay, you got to go because the, the big dude is still here. So I saw one picture of the two of them together on some red carpet award. And the way that he was holding her years ago said, all I needed to know. You know, you just ain't going to grab up on a, on a married woman like that and, and not think that there wasn't some type of uh, relations going on. So, you know, all the best to them. They, they can bang whoever they want to bang. 
none of the banging got nothing to do with me. <laughs> I feel you, man. One more question, man. I know you got to run. Uh, so we'll end on a more serious note, a more sports related note. Um, of course, we are at a very, very crucial time, I feel, in sports and just history in America, period, with everything going on right now. Of course, the protests, of course, everything that's gone around the death of George Floyd and countless others at this point. Uh, so we've seen that uh, kind of reverberate throughout sports. And me personally, I always had it because I used to uh, produce a, a night show with a, uh, a younger white host. And he would want to talk about these issues, but I would be more kind of reluctant to because I feel like with the sports audience, you know, the sports radio audience, I feel like you're you're not going to be able to change their mind. Really, they're kind of set in their ways and we get the same types of calls of people dismissing this whole thing. And it kind of discourages me to even talk about it because I feel like, you know, these people are never going to change, man. So how do you feel about your role and what you have to talk about now and, and talking to the audience you're talking to, as well as how do you feel about the, the, the leagues doing things such as the NFL having the what they call the Black National Anthem being played before games, uh, the NBA writing Black Lives Matter on the court. What do you think about all of that happening right now? Well, when it comes down to the, the leagues and regardless of whether you're putting Black Lives Matter on a jersey or putting it on a court or whether you're going to go ahead and just write a check to, let's say, just the NAACP, that's, that's good. That's fine. But you know what? There's, there's two things. It's like you got actions and you got words. And you can go ahead and fill folks up or serve uh, lip service. You can serve up all the lip service that you want. But how do you actually go about changing your organizational structure so there is more equality, so people do have other opportunities instead of it being a matter of nepotism or being in a situation where it's just like, oh, well, I'm just going to hire my friend or my son's friend and actually open things up. And I think they are, are better positioned doing that if they don't have uh, silly rules that haven't worked, like the Rooney rule. You know, we need to get to a place where we don't have, quote unquote, uh, affirmative action or we don't have reverse racism. And, and how do you have that? You have people of influence who decide, you know what, we are better off. We're more well-rounded organization if we give other folks a chance. But people feel people fear losing their own power. People fear what they don't understand, what they feel intimidated by, what they refuse to understand or, or venture out and see. So you can sing the Negro national anthem. You know, for me, a black man in America, I don't give a damn. Like, I don't care if y'all sing the Negro national anthem. I, I care that, that y'all can actually set up a system where you set up a pathway to ownership, where instead of having to have a Rooney rule, you actually hire minorities. I mean, there's, there's a lot of actions that can be taken uh, to kind of even out the playing field. And a big part of that is education, but then also putting people of color who are qualified in the positions to run things. And that, that starts at the top down. So you could, you could sing, lift every voice and sing, you know, every single week. You can write a check to a different organization every single week, but that's not, that's, that's not doing enough. You know, Black folks here in the United States of America shouldn't have to feel that they assimilate into a culture that doesn't appreciate or doesn't want them. 
And that's what it's always been. You know, white folks don't have to quote unquote assimilate into black culture, but we see by the consumption of it here in the United States of America and all over the world, black culture is appreciated. And it's when you want to turn and say, hey, I wanna be a part of it, is when it's like, okay, stay in that place and stay there and be happy that you have this opportunity. Be happy that you have that. Be happy that we are where we were and Shut you know, sit girl. down and be good. And, and that's the space that we need to get away from. So lift every voice and sing for the NFL. I don't give a damn. I know the NBA is a lot more progressive in, in, in what they do and their structure, but they can do better as well. And I, I, I hope that folks continue to demand that and I think the one thing that's going to help impact that is, is time. And we have different generations who are sick and tired of it, who, who want change. And, and it's, it's going to come in time, unfortunately. And then for, for myself, I guess that's the second question. For myself, you know, when I go on air, it's not necessarily trying to change anybody's mind. It's, it's I can only tell you what I think and what I feel and what I believe. You know what? Every now and then I'll have a call, or go, call up and go, you know what? I didn't think about things that way. And I think we can all be a little bit more, more open-minded. I think we can all, there's, there's never such thing as too much education. Uh, and you can also think, you can also be empathetic. And we have a lot of folks who, who dare not even try to understand where other people come from. And you, you can argue with a brick wall, that ain't always going to do you so much good. Some people are going to be brick walls and some people are, are going to be putty. Like, it's not my job to change anybody's mind. It's my job, first of all, first and foremost, to entertain, but I'm not going to be a shill just to, to, to shuck and job for anybody. I'm a, I'm a human being first, and I'm just going to say what it is in the most respectful way possible before I even say, hey, I'm going to hear and, you know, jingle a bell for you. I respect that, man. On both points, very, very, very good points, very salient points made on both of those, man. Uh, I think we all agree that the NFL, like anybody can make a post on social media. Anybody can put an all black logo and not post for eight minutes and 46 seconds or whatever you want to do. But that's all kind of fluff. We all do want to see more systemic change in these organizations and industries. And I think I hope we'll get there, man. I don't know if we'll get there yet, but I hope we will. And time will tell but uh shoot anything anything else any closing words figgy anything no nah, that's it man i, uh, I think we good I, yeah i appreciate you coming on man and uh congratulations to the jr sport brief show on cbs sports radio it's it's funny because we always talk about how it's not enough black um sports people around and it's good to hear you on the national airways man I appreciate that. And I, I can tell you, I, I certainly don't have influence on getting folks uh, on air and saying, okay, we're going to have more folks. But I, I would tell you that more opportunities are coming and we're going to have folks getting there just to. Yeah, no, everybody going to hit you up regardless. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to try to get in, man. They'd be like, hey, put me on, JR. I know you, I know you know somebody. We, we all done heard that line. <laughs> put me on the air, bro. Like, and nah, we're, 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 we're due time. I think even outside of sports, you know, society is, is waking up and, and people, whether they want to or not, a lot of people are getting their backs pushed against the wall. A lot of people are having a flashlight. Uh, shown in their room when they didn't think it was a problem because they thought that it was okay or 
that it didn't matter whether you were willfully ignorant or whether you just flat out didn't know. You know, the flashlight is on a lot of folks right now. And when flashlight signs bright enough, you can't go to sleep. It's just what it is. Wise words to live by, man. Wise words. Uh, yes, you can find that man at JR Sport Brief on Twitter. Of course, like Figgy said, his show is really good. Check it out on CBS Sports Radio uh, Monday through Friday. Um, I think it's also, do you still got the YouTube thing going? Yeah, we're getting ready to relaunch the YouTube. So okay. YouTube is, is not going anywhere. All my social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, everything is JR Sport Brief. So ain't going nowhere. Yeah. Yeah. You got it. You got a lot of classic interviews too, man. I saw your interview with Conor McGregor calling him out for disrespecting black women. Now, like, hell yeah, <laughs> somebody said it, man. Thank God. Right. Well, you know, I don't fear getting punched in the face. He probably do me some favors <laughs> if he did me. So, wasn't worried about that too much. That's a nice little lawsuit, man. No, yeah, I feel you. Me too much. I appreciate y'all. You know, doubt Figgy, Ryan, y'all keep doing your thing. In any which way I can help, I'd be happy to. And then vice versa, I give y'all a holler if I need it. For sure. Yes, sir. When everything clear up, man, if if you ever in H-Town, man, come through. Oh, listen, man, I, I bounce around. I'm itching to get back out into, into H-Town just as well as the rest <laughs> of the country. Just give a little bit of time. Let these folks need to, you know, be angry about whatever they angry about. And I'll be back around soon, brother. Word. <laughs> I yes. appreciate y'all. Y'all enjoy your weekend. Thank you so much for having me. You right, too, man. Take it, man. care, bro. I much love later. Appreciate you. All right. So we can go ahead and wrap this. Is there anything else we want to talk about real quick? Anything else we missed? Nah, man. Um, I enjoyed that interview, man. He, he, he's a good. cool dude, man. <laughs> One more topic before we out of here. Kanye West. This happened like right after we recorded our podcast last week, by the way. So we didn't we, talk about we it. We talk about a couple more things, too. This and something yeah. else that we forgot we last have, week. We have to talk about Kanye West running for president. <laughs> He announced this like late last week. And of course, everybody, I think at first I kind of thought it was just some bullshit he was saying. But he had an interview and he talked about his whole platform and all this stuff. And now people are getting scared. <laughs> people are scared that he will take votes from Joe Biden. Um, he had an interview where he basically said he is anti-vaccination and he doesn't <laughs> want the coronavirus cure because they're going to put a microchip in you. And he said he the, had it too back in February. Yeah, he did say he had COVID-19. He also said Drake had it. <laughs> like, How do you know Out that? of nowhere. <laughs> I don't know. He said somebody told him that Drake had it. And he was like, Drake ain't have as bad as I did. I'm like, okay. So... I didn't see the interview because I didn't care to even watch it. Like Kanye is getting hard to entertain at this point, but what do you think about this, man? Do you, I, I, the problem is like this year has been so fucking crazy yeah. that I can't count out the fact that Kanye West could be president. Yeah. I'm, I really can't. I'm, and I ain't gonna lie. I'm kind of nervous about that, man. I think this is um, similar to when Donald Trump announced he was running for president. Because I feel like we will have a lot of black people that are Kanye fans or just want to go against the grain and say, you know what? I'm vote for Kanye because I like college dropout. Yeah. I think we will have a lot of those type of people. And I I mean, if you asked me this maybe uh, five years ago, six years ago, I would have said, nah, he ain't getting no damn votes. But 
I can see him possibly <laughs> making a nice little run, making it interesting. So I, I don't want to just wave my hand and say, nah, this ain't about to work, and nah, ain't nobody thinking about him. I think we're in a crazy enough world where people will go out and vote for him because we said the same shit about Donald Trump. We said the same thing. Ah, you know, he'll be out the race early. And nah, he he was the last man standing. So I guess, you know, I'm not saying Kanye will win, but I think it, I think it would be interesting, man. I think it's going to be super close and it's going to be very 2020-ish. <laughs> Yeah, the thing about Donald Trump, though, is that he got the Republican Party nomination. So after that, it was completely possible he could be president. People still didn't believe it, but it happened. Yeah. But Kanye announcing in July that he's running for president this year <laughs> so he got like seemed a more like a stunt months. to me. Yeah. Like, he ain't had no campaign. He ain't <laughs> have no, like, it, it seemed more like a stunt. But like I said, I can't, everything that's happened this year, I can't discount this shit happening, too. And, you know. and, and two, you got to look at it, man. I feel like black people are a big reason um, Barack Obama got in office. Yep. I think that played a major part. People got out there and voted. And so I think if if people really wanted to, all I mean, well, you know, it's a bunch of Kanye stands. Mm -hmm. I think if they really wanted to, they would do the same thing. Because let's be honest, we really don't care for Joe Biden. So it's kind of like, you know, I've seen a bunch of people saying, ah, I'd rather vote for Kanye. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's just one or two people. So I can see a lot of people just doing it because he's black. A lot of people doing it just because it's Kanye and because they like Yeezys and stuff like that. I can, I can see people doing that. And I, like I said, I'm not saying he, he will overtake Biden or anything like that, but I can see that really making a big difference where we like, wow, you know, I'm not even surprised it's 2020. And here's the thing, too, man, because I, I, I keep seeing the blame being shifted to black people and people saying, oh, Kanye is going to split the black vote. Let's be very clear. More white people would vote for Kanye West than black people. Yeah, I agree. White people are some of the hardest Kanye fans you'll find, man. His shows are mostly white. So and he got a lot of more uh, a lot more white fans after him endorsing Donald Trump, President. Trump. Yes. So, yeah, so, I can see that. <laughs> Yeah, it would not be just black people voting. Like you might see people kidding on Twitter, but it would be majority white people voting for Kanye if this whole thing is actually real and he does run. But I don't know, man. <laughs> Hopefully it's just a bad album rollout. Because <laughs> here's the thing, I, I knew uh, Kanye would eventually run, but I thought he would probably run in 2024, which made more sense. Yeah. Especially since he's trying to be a Trump guy, you know. I figured he would eventually run for president just off of how he was talking. I didn't think he was going to try to pull it this year. Yeah. So I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's whatever. It's, it's 2020. Yeah. Nothing surprises me no more. Fucking president Kanye wouldn't be the craziest thing to happen this year. Probably. So actually, no, it probably would be. <laughs> You know what would be fire, though? You know how uh, Uncle Murder usually do the end-of-the-year wrap-up mm -hmm. song? I, I'm kind of excited to hear that, man. <laughs> Just to hear no. all the crazy shit that happened. That hoe would have to be, like, 30 minutes long, man. It would have <laughs> to be as long as uh, Two Shorts Freaky Tales, the original one that was, like, yeah. 15 minutes long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it had to be as long as that shit. 
<laughs> uh, so we'll see. Um, you said something else we didn't talk about too, right? Yeah, the one thing we mentioned last week that we didn't get to was the um, academics versus um um freddie gibbs freddie gibbs yeah we we never mentioned that at all and i know you had some strong takes about freddie gibbs on this oh yeah man <laughs> uh so I, I mean here's the thing people if you don't like academics the best thing to do is just not even talk about him because he's not a guy who can live off of not getting clout yeah. he's not an artist he don't make music he don't really have a fan base based off of anything he provides for the culture is just more like, I guess he's a role model for nerds and they kind of look up to him. To me, he's to me, I don't want to disrespect him by saying this because I know he kind of made a way, but he's kind of the Takashi six, nine of media a little bit. Oh, a hundred percent. He got in by trolling. Yeah. And he's doing the whole Chicago thing. Yeah. And he still do the same thing kind of. And like I said, you know, he got a nice platform and all that stuff. And you know, People still go to this platform. He was a big company, but I just, I don't know, man. I kind of take him with a grain of salt now, man. I try not to acknowledge him whenever he says something or his back and forths. I was just a little surprised that Freddie Gibbs got in the back and forth. Now, he he, he, he was joking around a lot on there. It wasn't nothing too serious, but it's just like, come on, man. Like, you better than that. I will say... Like, not Freddie Gibbs annoys me, man. This is why I don't like having Twitter for my favorite rappers. I miss, like, back in the 90s when I didn't know shit about my favorite rappers, you know, except what the media showed us, and that would be in between commercials on MTV or something. Yeah. You know, we didn't really know shit about, uh, like, what Biggie did outside of rap, really. You know, what some of our favorite rappers did or how corny they might have been. We didn't know. We just heard the records. Freddie Gibbs has great records. He has great work, but he comes off as trying too hard on some shit, man. And this goes back to the shit he said about uh, Young Jeezy. You know, I understand saying that Young Jeezy ain't relevant, but Freddie Gibbs can't be the one to say that. Yeah. Because if they both had a show, who's going to sell more? Like, who's more relevant than... even though Jeezy ain't musically musically relevant compared to like a Drake, he's he was, way more relevant than Freddie Gibbs. He was still a, um, a high end artist at one point. Most people don't know who Freddie Gibbs is. Yeah, honestly, and most people have at least heard a Young Jeezy song at some point. Drew Locke was rapping a Young Jeezy song yeah. at a game at the Broncos game. Man, like people know who he is. Most people don't know who Freddie Gibbs is. So for him to say that, I thought was kind of corny. And that went back to this whole beef. Freddie Gibbs will crack on anybody, but this went on for too long, dog. Yeah. He ain't have to make shirts. Yeah. He ain't have to make merch of this and academics. Yeah. Because when you do that, you're basically saying, okay, this person is on my level to where I need to actually destroy him. Like it's Jay-Z and Nas, you know? Like, Freddie gonna really beef about... His biggest beefs right now are Jeezy and Ac- DJ I, Academics. Yeah. And he's in my top five, man. So it's yeah. like, I'm trying to separate the music from the person, but <laughs> I understand an afternoon of cracking some jokes. I get that. If you bored. But this went on for a damn week, dog. 
Yeah. Nothing but academics. This is photoshops of academics. Like you, you making him more powerful by bringing him up on your feed all day, dog. Yeah. And at, at some point it gets corny, man. I'm like, just talk about do something else, man. Do another record with Alchemist. Do something else. But I'm tired of shit. Yeah, I, I kind of agree, man. And to your point on social media, it made a lot of people corny. I, I, we talked about this before. We ain't got to get deep into it. But I feel like social media made Bow Wow super corny. Yes. And if he did, if it was no social media or if he didn't have any social media, I think he would still be kind of um, I think women would still love him. Yes. Because if you if you look at somebody like Sammy, Sammy, after he finished, he kind of just dropped off the face of the earth. He wasn't out and about or on Twitter heavy, but he kind of popped back up when he got a little older and um, he kind of watched what he do. He's not out there trying to embarrass himself or try to do the most and um uh, that's why a lot of people will look at sammy more than a, a bow wow people people see how corny bow wow is now but you couldn't say that back when he was a kid nah you're right man we we've seen too many too much of people and mm-hmm. it's made people like bow wow it definitely killed bow wow mm-hmm. even though bow wow did some shit before social media that people kind of tuned him out for him hosting bet and all that shit was kind of I don't know, but yeah. yeah. But look at women wanted to marry Bow Wow. That's true. <laughs> yeah, so they like you could you can't find anybody out here now that's saying that that's standing by them words. And it's, to yeah, me, it's, it's all kind of rough. And it's and I don't I don't want to blame it all on social media, but it's kind of letting people in too much. We kind of see who he really is now, not just the music. Yeah, man, I agree. It's kind of tough for Chad right now, but <laughs> it is what it is. So, yeah. All right, man, we can go ahead and wrap this thing up, I believe. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to JR or the JR Sport JR Sport Pod. Wait. Sport Brief. JR Sport Brief. I'm losing <laughs> my mind, man. JR Sport Brief. Check him out on Twitter. Check out his show. Very special guest. Thank him for joining us. Uh, I got to run, take a leak. I ain't even going to lie. So I'm going <laughs> to wrap this thing up. Vicky, you got something to promote, man? Uh, No, nah, man. Just chilling, man. Yes, sir. Just chilling. About to go get a haircut. All right. Y'all have a blessed weekend. Everybody take care. Stay safe. And we out. I got to run, man. <laughs>